Welcome back to the Bookshop Chronicles. My name is Brandy, and once upon a time, I ran the province's first and only Bookshop on Wheels. Now, I have two independent bookstores, one in Edmonton and one in Beaumont. This podcast is about books, the people who love them, and the business side of running an independent bookstore. In today's conversation, we are bringing back one of your favorite, favorite guests from the past. Elise Eichmuller loves a scary read. She loves a gritty read. She loves her some Nordic reading. Now, this was another fun conversation. Of course, we got a little off topic. You know we're going to do that. But basically, friends, this was just so much fun. So if you like a little scary book, you like something that's a little bit dark, this conversation is for you. <laughs> so the last time you and I talked, yes, the feedback that I got from people about, oh, okay, so that girl who was on your podcast who likes the scary books, so many people referred to this episode of the podcast and said, okay, what was that one she talked about? And I was like, ooh, so I actually had to keep a post-it note by the till. So if somebody came in, I could remember the books that we discussed. Really? That's awesome. Yes. That's how impactful you are. Aw. Send them to my Instagram page. It's all pretty much all there. They can reference it. You, I have, okay, let's talk about your Instagram because okay. your videos <laughs> on Instagram are next level. <laughs> They're fun, right? They're just, they were just fun. Well, you're so creative with them. But I don't take the credit for it. It's just taking whatever's trending at the time. Like I'll, at night when I should be sleeping, I scroll through the reels and uh, see what um, audios are popular. And a lot of the times that um, I lips, I just lip sync to the ones that are really popular at the time. And I, my brain goes to how it connects with books and my yeah. life in books. And then usually it's just one or two takes because it's already in my head. And I now, I've, not- I've never done this. I've seen a lot of people who do the lip sync to other yeah. outside audio. I've never done it. I, I don't, I don't even know how you connect it or find it. I don't know anything about that stuff. You should try at least one. Try one. How do you even know how, where is it? Where, how do you find that stuff? Oh, um. Okay. So in your Instagram page, when you hit the add button, like the add icon to add a post or add a story or whatever. Yes. There's a option there that says reels. Right. Right. Yeah. So you click that yeah. and it takes you to that screen that you make reels. But before you even do that, you need to find an audio that you like. Like there's certain options. So if you're going to do that lip syncing thing, you find an audio that you like and you save the audio. Oh, so that's under the audio button on your Instagram there? Yeah. So like, let's say you're, let's say you're even looking at one of my reels and you like it, right? Sure. There's an option there on the side that you can save the reel or you can save the audio that I'm, that I'm using. And then when you go to make reels, you can choose, like there's an audio icon, you hit that and then you can choose that audio that you saved and that audio will play for you. And you just lip sync to it, doing whatever it is that you're doing. And it'll record for you, but you can edit it and stuff. So you can cut it off or you can, 
um, you can set a timer. Like if you're doing it yourself, you can set a timer on it and then it gives you a little beep, beep. And then you start, it starts recording for you. So it's like that. It takes, okay, a while to, it takes a little bit to get a hang, get the hang of it. But once you do, it's very easy. Like it never takes me more than, it takes me a shorter amount of time to do, to do those than it does for me to think about a review to write and take a picture for, like, take a picture of the book and write a review. And it's fun. And my Jilly, my youngest, loves it every day. She's like, mom, can we do a reel? Mom, can we do a reel? Mom, can we do a reel? I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm raising him. I created a monster. Adorable. Well, you know, but that is, it is a very strong creative outlet. Like I, you get a sense of people by the kinds of reels they put out and that kind of thing. But one of my oh, favorites God. was the one where you were on the floor holding the books and somebody was dragging you away by your feet. I can't even daughter. tell you. It was it? Oh, that's my older that daughter. Story. That was so fun to watch. Did you see the outtake though on yes. my stories? Oh, yes. that was funnier <laughs> than the actual reel because my older daughter was dragging me and she was laughing and my younger daughter was recording it. You can hear her on the recording going, <laughs> it's so funny. That was a fun one. That was a fun one. Yeah. So by day, you are a court reporter. Yes. Who is immersed in all of the the dark realities of human drama. Yes. And then when you're not at work, you are reading some dark, mysterious stories, but you are also adding this element of lightness and humor and just genuine passion into your life. Like you are such a fun balance of all of these Aww. components. Um, you have to be. You have to be. To not only to do the work that I do, you have to see the light to it because it is so dark. Mm -hmm. And I think you do just to stay sane in the world we live in. Like not even just now, but just, you know, there's so many stressors and bad things that happen all the time. And you have to just hang on almost to that light side and the humorous side and, um, I don't know, like the brightness, the love, your friends, your family, like all that stuff has to be more mm -hmm. and has to overpower all that negative and dark and just everyday things that, you know, some people choose not to see it's there, but it's there. Like it's always there and you yeah. feel it regardless of whether you choose to see it or not. Right. That's true. Yeah. And I just have a lot more dark around me because of the work that I do. But at the same time, you see all the hard work that the prosecutors are doing, all the hard works that the judges are doing, um, the sheriffs that are there every day, you know, to insecurity and, you know, checking people and, um, and, and being very polite and professional and kind to even the accused that come in, like, you know, giving them bottles of water, like just, you have to kind of look at those things. Yeah. And then with these books like that, I read like all these dark books, they are very dark, a lot of them. And like they talk about very dark issues like sex assault, child abuse, animal abuse, um, like the deep, dark, primal fears that people have. And if you don't talk about those with a little bit of lightness, it gets too heavy. And it's mm -hmm. that's not my style. And I don't think like I wouldn't want to read something like that where it's all doom and gloom. So and this page really is just fun for me. So it's just an outlet or not this page, my Instagram posts 
It's yeah. just for me, really, to express what I'm thinking, what I'm saying. And I'm not one to hold back generally. I know that's a shocker. But um, <laughs> it's, it's just, you know, so I'm glad that people like it and think that it's kind of fun to read. And I've noticed since the beginning when I started this um, Instagram account that people are very formal almost like they're worried about what people are going to say about the comments that they're going to write but I've noticed that my close group of um, followers or I call my, my bookstagram friends I call them now not, they don't follow yeah. me that's so weird I'm not the head of a cult or anything but you know like my <laughs> bookstagram friends they've like they swear a lot more now and they even in their own posts I've noticed they've relaxed and they swear a lot and they say what they mean if they don't like a book it's like uh, you know, and they say why, but in a very nice, you know, nice way, not derogatory in any stretch of the imagination. But I like that. Like I like sending those feelers and sending out that energy. Like be yourself. Yeah. I am. Look, I'm still here. No one thinks I'm an idiot. Like <laughs> <just> do it. <laughs> you know, I like that. And if I can it's do true. it through talking about creepy, scary, dark books, bonus, right? Well, but then you also find your people that way because the things that you like to read and the way you like to talk about it, there are people out there who want to read it and who want to hear you talk about it in a way that they're thinking, but they don't know who to talk to about. So yeah. it's such a great connection point that you have with people. Oh, wait, what does your mug say as you're oh, drinking? What do you really? Okay. It's yeah, my, we can get it. It's my Christmas mug and it yeah. <laughs> has a Grinch on it and it says, <clears throat> Cup of fuck coffee, one splash of no one cares, a dash of kiss my arse, add some fuck yous, a pinch of blow me, stir and shove it up your arse. (laughs) (laughs) When I'm on Zoom meetings for work, I have to make sure that I have a mug that's blank on one side because all of my mugs have swears on it and everything in my office has swears on it. So I have to be really careful yeah like I'm, no I, my shirt doesn't have swears on it today <laughs> I've seen Stop. lots of your mugs on your posts and they're very funny and what I love about it is how much you really love and appreciate all of these things like you do not have you know mugs with swears on them or anything just to be show-offy or grandiose or have any shock value this is really just how you have fun using language and talking about the things that matter to you. Like I, that's one of the things I like is that you're, you're so unguarded about those things. <laughs> about those things. Yes. Yes. Right. I think that that's, that's special because oh, you're thanks. right in a world where everybody is very, they're very PC. They're very Photoshoppy. They're very like, yes. here's what I want you to think of me as. And then that's who they put out into the world. You just say, you know what? no, yeah, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> and I'm not sorry. Right? Like you no, don't care. I'm not sorry. I don't. No. You know why though? The bottom line is I'm lazy, and oh, that takes work. That takes energy to do that. And then you have to remember. It's like lying, right? Like yes. if you tell the truth, you never have to worry about what you say, or you don't have to remember what you said yesterday or last yeah. week. And that's so much work. It's so much work, and I just don't have the energy. For I would rather yeah. use that energy to do something else. Like those filters they have on Instagram now. Oh my god, it's yeah. ridiculous. Have you ever tried them on your own face? 
Um, I have only because I look through the bottom, just like, oh, what is this? And it clicks yeah. on like, oh, I don't want yeah. ears on my head. And I don't want like glowy things and makeup. I, I It just, it feels to me like I'm an actor if I do yeah. that. And I, I don't think that I am good enough at pretending to be something that I'm not. So yeah. I really... And I'm kind of nervous about not doing something that I could do well. I know I can do me well. (laughs) So I'm just going to stick with it. That's it. Well, yeah, you see, you know where I'm coming from. It's just, I'm just too lazy to to be, I'm too lazy. I'm too lazy to be that, anything else. But then you're spending your time, instead of trying to be something you're not, you are spending your time investing in the things that matter to you and that make you better. Well, when you don't have, we don't have to spend that energy doing those things, trying to make yourself pretty, trying to pick all of the right clothes. Like, and, and there's nothing wrong with those things. If that's who you are mm-hmm. and that's what you want to spend your energy on, great. I have very stylish friends who are put together 24-7 and I love them. Yes. But for me, that's a lot of work and I would just rather not do that work. And, and if that's- you're an influencer and that's how you... Yeah. Um, that's what your account is about. Great. Just not yeah. me. Not to sing it. Just not me. I think that that's just another creative outlet though. If mm. somebody is like, exactly. My, my daughter is so good at um, finding ways to use her, herself as a canvas, mm-hmm. whether it is makeup, hair, clothes, something something that she's doing and she decorates things that express the things that matter to her now she might not be making reels and she might not be doing other things but that is her creative outlet so hey have at her exactly she's also i mean she's she's like so many people who love to find a way to express themselves Mm -hmm. i just i can't uh yeah i can't do that whole thing where they say fake it till you make it no how will you know when you've made it I can't, I can't even gauge that. So not going to yep. try. Yep. No, I hear you. Yeah, and that's one of the things I, that I like the most about you is that you are just, you're very much who you are and take it or leave it. It, it is, you are unaffected. Oh, thank you. And you are too. Takes one to know one, right? <laughs> I guess so. We will find same? each other. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. <laughs> And as I said before, you are definitely somebody who likes to read books about characters that are, shall we say, edgy, who yes. like to express their dark nature or yes. inflict harm upon people and the outcomes of that. So yes. what is it about those books especially that draw you in? When it comes down to it, it's a subject matter. I find it interesting. I find the dark side, the dark side of people and the dark side of life interesting mm-hmm. um, because if everything is positive and everything is rosy and everything is lovey-dovey it's that's boring you know mm-hmm. the dark side <laughs> I sound so nerdy the dark side is so much more complicated like you need a characters that are complicated you know like my girlfriend and I just had this conversation we were having some lunch and we were talking about the Marvel movies of all things and we were talking about the characters that we like and she goes, well, Thor, he's really nice to look at, but really he's very once, he's like all for the good, always do the right thing. And that's very uncomplicated. Whereas mm-hmm. this Loki is seen as the villain, but not always, right? Yeah. 
so that's it's a there's more layers and it's he's more complicated and i find that with these darker stories you get a lot more of that especially in the nordic noir you get it with um the protagonist the hero so to speak and also the villain villain who sometimes isn't really a villain like if you look at their backstory and how they became who they became mm-hmm. are they a villain or like or, or what else can you expect really from how they got to that point right but then there's also the villain who is just um like that one line in that batman movie some men just want to watch the world burn and that's just who they are and i think that's what makes um children in these stories so scary is because if they're evil in the book mm-hmm. or it, you know in the story they just are and we talked about this in a book club that i have um where like why are children so creepy yeah why are children so creepy because if and and the conclusion i think that we came to is because if they're evil in a the story they are inherently evil there's no rhyme or reason for it. They're born that way. Mm-hmm. And that's very scary. Um, we read the last book that we read, we talked about, oh, I don't have the physical book, but um, The Bad Seed. Do you know that story? The, bad the kid's seed? book or the adult book? The so adult book. Okay. <laughs> not, not the kid's book, The Bad Seed, because I read that one with my kid and it's not like that. Okay. <laughs> it's not the children's book. Not the okay. children's book. Let's just make this clear. You will not find this in the children's section, but it's an (laughs) old, old book from, I think it was written and published in 19, in the 1950s, 1954. Um, And it's about, and I don't want to give it away, but it's about a a child who is very odd Mm -hmm. and how her mother deals with it. The father's away uh, on business. So it's just a mom who's with this girl and she's in the story, she's eight years old. And all the stories that come out um, about the things that she's done and why they've moved from her old school to this school and from the old from where they live, this new city. And that all comes out in the story. And everybody sees this little girl as very perfect. She's got the perfect pigtails. She's very clean. She's very polite. She's very mature. She uses adult language. She's very perceptive. Um all the outwards, outward appearance of the perfect child. And then you hear things that she, she says, and it's so odd for an eight-year-old, right? And then there's a character, um, the groundskeeper in the area that they live in, who is very much like her. Like he's a, a deplorable human being in this story, but he's the only one that sees his little girl for what she is because he's like that. So he sees her. And then, so there's the dynamics between those two characters, where it's like, God, I hate this guy. He's such an awful human being, but he sees her the way the reader sees her, but Mm -hmm. not everyone else in the story. So that's, that's an interesting dynamic. And they made a movie out of that. And it came out in 1956 or 1958. And at the time it was, yeah. Um, I think they were having a, not censor problems, but it was like a, like an, oh my God, sort of movie at the time. Like it was revolutionary. It's very new. Like you can't, you know, depict children like this, mm-hmm. but I'm sure like, and I don't want to give too much away by 
you know, um, giving a label to what we would call those children. Yeah. And, and so I don't want to give it away, but um, it was a very new thing. And it, and um, it was the genesis to a lot of the movies that came after, like The Exorcist, like um, uh, Rosemary's Baby. Rosemary's Baby. Um, yeah. What's that one? Uh, I can't think of it now. Something in the corn. With all children the of the children. corn? Children of the corn. There, that one. So it gave, that movie gave rise to all those movies. And if you read the book, and well, I did, you read the book now, some of the dialogue is a little dated, but it's still like, like how a mother feels when she realizes slowly, like what her child is. It's like, oh my God, what do you do with that in the fifties? Mm. Yeah. And even now I think, right. So it translates like that, that, um, that part of the story translates very well through time, but some of the dialogue is a little dated, but you're the, right. The overall After, feeling of the story is, is has translated very well. There have been a number of horror books, movies, what have you that yeah. make kids the villain mm. instead of the victim. When a child is the one who's going to take you down or the one you have to be afraid of when they're supposed to be innocent, yeah. that expectation of their innocence and their, uh, angelic like quality when that flips mm -hmm. there is something that is so contrary to the way we expect their behavior to be that that yeah. is scary oh it is we were yeah. talking about that in um with my book club there and we were that was a question that we were uh, talking about and you know very smart people in my book club were saying you know children are innocent they don't know enough to be evil so if they're evil then you know it's inherent and that's scary and then i say because I clearly am not as smart as the rest of the people in my book club. Like, and it's really hard to punch a kid in the face if they're coming at you. <laughs> like, it really is. Yeah, you have yeah, to think is. twice. If an adult How do you punish you? Yeah. Yeah. And they have a machete, you drop them. Mm -hmm. like, Eight-year-old's coming at you with a machete. You're like, oh, oh, wait, I have to punch him in the face. <laughs> you know? Oh, my gosh. That's really oh. hard. Have so, you ever read the book, We Need to Talk About Kevin? By Lionel Shriver. Oh, I know, but isn't there a movie? I think I saw the movie yeah. with um the movie Tilda Swinton. Tilda Swinton, yeah. She's yes, in the I movie. saw that. I didn't know it was a book. The book is far superior to the movie because in the book, the whole idea of her inner monologues, and you really get a full lifespan of mm. Kevin's behavior and how it is just as you're talking about, like from the womb, like. And birth, he is just, he is not okay. And there are things in that book that, to this day, unsell yeah. me. I've seen the movie, and the movie was like, okay, but I didn't get the lingering sense of gloom and doom and the darkness that is all throughout it. And that that difficult moment where a, a mom, a parent has to decide, okay, so I love this child, but I don't like this child, and I there's something wrong. How do you balance that and still be okay in a world that says, you know, like helicopter parenting is the way to go and be your kid's friend and all that stuff. Your child's a snowflake. Mm. That's, that's the bad seed. That's, mm -hmm. that's it's, exactly it's, the story. Different timeline, different time. Yes. Periods. That's exactly it, what that me, book it's is. A, it's a shocking kind of, of story. Cause I mean, mm. he didn't have a machete. It wasn't like, but no. there was, um, Wow. Yeah. Wow. If you haven't read that, you might love it.
Yeah, it sounds very similar to actually. I think they made um, a movie out of a remake out of the nineteen fifty four nineteen fifty six movie, and I think it's, really, yeah, I think it's a uh, Rob Lowe. Like he switched it, so instead of a single mom, it's he's a single dad. So he switched a little bit, but it's I think it's still called The Bad Sea, and that was in let me look twenty eighteen. And what else have you read that is creepy and dark that you oh. want other people to know about? Because I know you've got the finger on the pulse of it. I've been reading um, a lot more horror lately since I talked to you last for some oh. reason. Some, yeah, horror more than um, the crime thrillers. I actually, I've read a lot of crime thrillers, but I've kind of leaned towards the horror side for some reason lately. Um, actually, the first book that I read this year is called uh, The Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. Have you heard of that one? No. Oh, so good. It's a chunker. It's like, it looks like a brick, but it's, um, it's, um, a really quick read. So it starts off with, I'll just read the back of the book. Sure. Uh, Shanna wakes up one morning to discover her little sister in the grip of a strange illness. She appears to be sleepwalking and she's heading with determination to a destination that only she knows. Soon, Shanna and her sister are joined by a flock of sleepwalkers from across America on the same mysterious journey. And like Shanna, there are other shepherds who follow the flock to protect their friends and family. As a sleepwalking epidemic awakens terror and violence and a civilization collapses, the secret behind this phenomenon will either tear society apart or bring the survivors together to remake a shattered world. So it's very dystopian mm-hmm. in genre. But so interesting. And it's interesting that he wrote this book and it was published in 2019. So right before COVID. Interesting. Yeah. So, and you can, I don't want to say it's um, a prophecy of sorts, but maybe in a very extreme sense, especially if you look at what's happening in Canada just this Mm -hmm. weekend it's you're like oh did he have a crystal crystal ball can he see the future or is it not a crystal ball at all and human beings as a collective there's just no other end to there's just no other way that this could end Mm -hmm. than how the ending was in this book And so what makes it a horror as opposed to just like a suspense book or a typical dystopian? Um, Well, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I don't know that. Because I don't don't read a lot of scary, creepy, keep the lights on kind of books. Um, So for me, the, I feel like there are three kinds of dark books that are not crime thrillers. There is the suspense book, which just has that little edge of like tension and you don't know what's going on. It keeps you on the edge of your seat. Then there's a thriller, which is next level to that, but not full on horror. And then horror to me are the ones that are those like unbelievably scary books. So I kind of have a range of three and I never know how they fit in because I don't read enough of them (laughs) to really compare well. Um, so I guess this wouldn't really be your horror story in the classic sense where there's monsters or the supernatural or anything like that. It, I just found it really scary and unnerving. Mm, um, 
but it is a dystopian story for sure. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's really the scarier elements of human nature yeah. because there's nothing in here that's extraordinary. Okay. It's not that, I mean, besides the people who are sleepwalking, so to speak, um, and I'm not going to give it away, but there's nothing supernatural about this book. Got it. Everything that's scary about this book is real. We're seeing Ooh, it. Which is We're even scarier. It. We're scared. We're seeing it right now everywhere. So Ooh. that's what's scary. And the scary thing about having, um, living during a time where there's a virus rampant and you don't know how to cure it. You don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going to come next. And you rely on the policymakers and your leaders. And, and when that doesn't seem to work, you rely on other things, other hmm. people who may or may not give a shit about you. Yeah. But anything to make some sense and gain back some control over the situation that you absolutely have no control over. And so that it talks about how diff how the different characters deal with all of those things. That is and, so intriguing. And the scientists in this book who are trying to help, but know, they already know what's going to happen because mm. they're scientists and, you know, it's, it, it would be, I would kind of um, par parallel it with, uh, like, let's say you were a doctor and you got cancer. You know what that's yeah. doing to your body. You know that if you're a doctor and you have stage four pancreatic cancer, that that's really tough. You can have hope and always do have hope. But as a doctor, you know, probability wise, what may happen so it's it's got that kind of uh doom and gloom i guess feeling mm -hmm. to it which is very unsettling but then you have a, the character like shanna who fights for her sister who's there to protect her sister who's has hope that her sister will come out of it so you have you know the those dynamics fighting against each other which is i mean great book great writing and i think very timely I think had hmm. this book came out any other time, mm -hmm. except for the fact that we're in a pandemic right now, I think it wouldn't have been as interesting, but it really, it was close to home. Let's just say that. Okay. Yeah. Good book. Highly okay. recommended. I wrote that one down. Yeah. So now the more horror side. Yeah. Bring it on. Okay. So I've really gotten into an author named Anya Alborn. And she writes very, very scary stories. This one's called Brother. And this is not a supernatural horror story. This is just gross. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just gross. Um, I'll read the back. Deep in the heart of the Appalachia stands a crooked farmhouse miles from any road. The Moros keep to themselves and it's served them well so far. When girls go missing off the side of the highway, the cops don't knock on their door which is a good thing, seeing as, seeing as to what's buried in the Morrow's backyard. But 19-year-old Michael Morrow isn't like the rest of his family. He doesn't take pleasure in the screams that echo through the trees. Michael pines for norm normalcy. Am mm -hmm. I saying that right? Normalcy. Yeah. And he's sure that someday he'll see the world beyond West Virginia, 
when he meets Alice, a pretty girl working at a record shop in the small nearby town of Dahlia, he's immediately smitten. For a moment, he nearly forgets about the monster he's become, but his brother, Rebel, is all too eager to remind Michael of his place. So then in the story, you find out Michael, where he came from, about this whole family that lives in the backwoods of West Virginia. And it's just, it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yes. So oh definitely gosh. for your hardcore horror fan. How did you discover that book? Probably through Bookstagram. But this was the first one I picked up. Oh, you know what it was? Last year, I had asked in the beginning of the year, I thought I'm buying way too many books. And I went on one of those stupid book buying bands. And don't ever let me do that <laughs> because it's dumb. Nobody should do it. It never works. <laughs> it's a dumbass idea. Anyways, <laughs> so I asked people, I'm like, I'm going to go on one last spree and that's it for the year. So tell me the books that I should be reading. And this was one of the ones that someone had suggested. So I picked it up. I read it in one night. You did. Yeah, really good. But it's a, it's, a, it's a short little book. It's, um, you know, 319 pages, but it's it's a very easy read, kind of like the book version of your slasher flick. So that one was really good. And I just read another one of hers called Seed. Same author, Anya Alborn. So A-H-L-B-O-R-N, first name A-N-I-A. Um, but this one is a lot more uh, supernatural. But it also um, is the same theme as, and it's called Seed, which is interesting because that's a very same, a very um, close theme to the bad seed. Interesting. Just okay. About. Another yeah. child. Another child, another parent, but uh, a little bit more, it's more supernatural, whereas the bad seed did not. Cool. Another gross one that I read. The Troop by Nick Cutter. And I think Jen at your store read it. And I think Jen and I can be very good friends. Oh, Just you absolutely she could. Reads. Yeah. Um, but she's right. Like I read what um, I think you wrote about what she said about The Troop. Disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting. Yeah. And <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I heard so much about worms oh. as she was reading this book. And I'm like, ah, I don't, I, that's too much. I'm, it's just, uh, but she, and she always says about this, I love this book intensely. Like she just really got behind this story. It's disgusting. And I do have to say, if you are um, animal, like if, if you're an animal lover, there's some very graphic scenes with animals in it that, I don't want to say it's unnecessary or gratuitous mm -hmm. because I think it, it, I think it fits into the story, but it's very disturbing. Got it. So that's a warning that I will give to any listener today that is thinking about reading the troop. It is disgusting. Animals are involved. Don't eat. No, don't eat it. Don't eat it. <laughs> don't read it while you're eating. It's gross. But I have to say Nick Cutter is um, the pen name, that guy that wrote the Saturday Night uh, Ghost Club. Yeah, Precious Cargo about the school bus. Yes. he's a school bus driver. He was before he was before he became an author. Oh, my God. What is this? What is his name? Craig. Davidson. 
Craig Davison, thank you. I can't believe he's the same guy. A little bit bizarre to me that your school bus driver, who is so aware of all the kids and their special quirks and amazing abilities and who they are, and he sees them in the background, is writing this stuff yeah. and thinking it. Like, that is that's yeah. crazy to me. But Craig Davison is a master storyteller. It's like, who's, who's that girl that wrote um, The Marrow Thieves? Sherry Dimoline? Sherry Dimoline? Yeah. Again, same thing. Awesome storyteller. They can make a, a trip to your mailbox riveting. And it translates in these books. Like, you can tell it's him just by the way he writes about the things in here that aren't the horror, scary stuff. And it, you can see it in his book, The Deep. Right? That was the one. Didn't you say that you listened to the audiobook of that one? Yes. And when you were in your car, that just messed you up? Yes, because I was yeah. driving in the dark and I was getting yeah. claustrophobic. You, There's more Craig Davison in the deep than there is in the troop, but it's still in there, the way he writes about the kids. So this is like Lord of Flies times 100 and yes. gross. Awesome yes. book. Yeah. The number of people who saw the post that I made about how much Jen loves that book and said, oh, she's reading that book. Oh, good luck, Jen. Or, oh, oh I remember reading that book. Or, mm-hmm. oh, like, I mean, the amount of people who have a reaction to that mm-hmm. book are not your typical, like, oh, yeah, I read The Exorcist. Or, oh, that really stayed with me. The troupe seems to have a very lingering impact. Yeah. there's There was no holds barred in this book. I've had, I think... Because I posted the review for this book, and this was a little while ago. I think I had about two or three people privately message me and said, and you have to pardon my French, the troop fucked me up. Mm-hmm. And that's that was their feeling on it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, woo. And these are seasoned, like it's not their first horror story that they've right. read. And they said that. I'm like, yeah, it's 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 next level. It's next level. And it's not just gross. It's just um, you really get caught up in the progression of what's happening on this little island. There's something else going on here. It's um, mm. So I'll read you the back. Uh, Once a year, Scoutmaster Tim Riggs leads a troop of boys into the Canadian wilderness for a weekend camping trip, a tradition as comforting and as and reliable as a good ghost story around a roaring bonfire. But when an unexpected intruder stumbles upon their campsite, shockingly thin, disturbingly pale, and voraciously hungry. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Voraciously hungry. Tim and the boys are exposed to something far more frightening than any tale of terror. The human carrier of a bioengineered nightmare, a horror that spreads faster than fear, a harrowing struggle for survival with no escape from the elements, the infected, or one another. So I guess it's kind of like Lord of the Rings with... Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> wow. Together on yeah. an island with kids. So there you go. Mm, I'm having okay. a kids theme today. You really do. That's that's interesting. Now, has yeah. Nick Cutter only written those two books, The Deep mm-hmm. and The Troop? Nope. Uh, there's one called Little Heaven. So I, I am planning on reading Little Heaven soon. And I guess that one is really good as well. Do you have a lot of books in your shelf that you have not read yet it's embarrassing 
It is so embarrassing. I got this app where you can scan all your books. Yeah. Yeah. And you can catalog it and you can, you can um, see how many you've read. And I'm not even going to tell you it's embarrassing. I, I think I've read maybe a quarter of the books I own. No, I think that's about fair. I think yeah. you're, you're actually more on par with most readers yeah. who do purchase books. Yeah. There's something about discovering a book and then bringing it home and adding it to your, your stack oh, yeah. that is entirely removed from the actual reading experience. Oh, yeah. That's a whole thing. So that's fine. But I love the opportunity that you have that when you're sitting there, you have all these other things based on the mood that you're in yeah. or whatever you just finished. You have things that you can choose from, right, that will satisfy your reading itch. Well, and I just like looking at them. Yeah. Like I like sitting in my little nook and I just like looking at them. I'm mm -hmm. too tired to read sometimes and I'll just sit there and I'm like, oh, look, so pretty. <laughs> it is so satisfying. <laughs> but I, it, I'm a sucker for a good series. And especially if all the books look the same, I love the way that looks. Like I bought, I got a, the Louise Penny, the first one from mm -hmm. Daisy Chain. Yeah. So the first was Still Life, that yes. uh, Inspector uh, Gamache series. Not my like. It's a good procedure, procedural murder mystery. Love yeah. that stuff. It's not as intense as I normally read, but mm -hmm. still a good story, and I love. It's very character driven, which I yes. enjoy as well, right? So I do like that. And then I went back into your store and I got two more. <laughs> and I know I'm going to have the whole thing because the covers are so pretty. They are. And you know, so they pretty. keep changing the covers and whatnot, yeah. which is which is fun. But yeah. you know, there's like 17 books in that series. I know. So. so when I read that first one, I thought if I like this first one, I'm doomed. Because then I have, to, <laughs> I have to look for them all. And then I have to put up a new shelf. Right. Uh, do you have room yeah. in that in your space for a new shelf? Because you've pretty much got that space maxed out. One more on top. I think I could fit one more in there. Okay. I think I can. Yeah. Okay. So another scary story, and it's yes. a collection of short stories, but is Ghost Summer. Ghost Summer Stories. And it's by, and I'm going to butcher her name, Tanana, Tanana Reeve Du. Yeah. Okay. And it's a collection of short stories. Very good. Very scary. And it's one of those, um, it's not gross. It's not, um, it's one of those stories or a collection of stories where you read it and you're like, oh yeah, great stories, great stories. You turn off your lights to go to sleep and all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, is that a shadow? Like, what is that? Oh my God, my closet door is opening or what is that noise? It's one of those. Oh, it's very psychological. Okay. Um, so it's, it's split into four sections and each section has three to five short stories, but within the section, all the story, all the short stories relate to each other. Okay. Neat. And the funny thing is in this book, and when is this published? 2015. It also has a section in there about uh, like an epidemic or a pandemic. So it seems to be a common theme, but this was in 2015, right? It's, it is that, that, section of this book is also very dystopian but the interesting thing about that part is so the first story talks about like how it started and it one character in particular and her grandmother and then the next couple of stories talks about um kind of two years down the road then three years down the road and the very last part of that section is like 20 years down the road and how the world has changed because of this 
very scary if you like that sort of hmm. psychological ghost story. I was trying to read more stories by women of color, especially horror stories. You don't find that there's a hmm. lot. So this was recommended to me by um, another bookstagrammer. And all, I guess all of her ghost stories are very, very scary. So I do want to talk about this one indie author. Yes. Um, yeah, his name is Craig Walwork. He's from England. And he got in touch with me when I first started Bookstagram and asked me if I wanted to review one of his books. And the book is called Bad People. And it's his Tom Nolan series. Okay. And you've probably heard me describe books as you with the you factor. Yeah. That has you factor. It's a, it's a murder mystery. And it's about a, a reporter who goes into a small town to investigate the story uh, like of a missing child. And then it relates back to like a historical. And so he, you learn of all the townspeople and it's not a cozy mystery where you, it's in a small town, confined space, you invest, investigate and you talk to all the different people, find out about all the different people and their secrets and stuff, but yeah. then gross. Anyway, so he was nice enough to ask me to review it, sent it to me, love the book and have gotten to know him quite well. Very nice guy. Wrote a second book called The Labyrinth of the Dolls. And it's a second book to the Tom Nolan series. Also excellent. I have a thing with like, you know, those porcelain dolls. Yeah. That I find so freaky. Yeah. And that's kind of the story. And also eyeballs. Blech. Like I don't even <laughs> wear contact lenses because I can't touch my own eyeball. So that's like two things in this story. I'm like, ew. <laughs> Gross. Thanks, Craig. But great story. And he's got a third one coming out. And I can't wait to read it. And because I think we've become friends online, he says that maybe my surname is in there somewhere. So he made a character with my last name. I'm like, yeah, that's what? so exciting. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> you know you've made it when. I know. Well, I know I made it when someone asked me to review one of their books. My whole point, my goal, and I said to my husband when I started Bookstagram, okay, I'm going to keep track of my books. This is just a way to keep myself accountable. But if I can get a free book out of it, yes, I've done it. So I've made it. I've made it. <laughs> now you got to have a new goal. I ha I need a new goal. Well, and now I'm on a podcast, two podcasts. So see, you're a regular now. You're a recurring guest. That's what you are. Once you've been yeah. on twice, you. <laughs> but I can't. I can't talk about horror stories and you worthy books without talking about Craig Walwork. Okay, he's got all of his stuff is online. Nice. Okay. And because I love Nordic Noir and we can't not not talk about Nordic Noir. You do love it. Yeah. I do love it. Um, so there's an author called, I'm going to butcher her name, Irsa Sigurder Dotir. Yep. Irsa Sigurder Dotir. Okay. I know exactly who you mean. Yep. Okay, good. Good. I'll spell it for you. <laughs> um, so she writes a series where the main character is a lawyer, but she does a lot of investigation. And it's a female lead, female lawyer. Her name's Thora. I can't remember what her last name is. T-H-O-R-A, but that's the series. Read the first one just recently. Very good. It's kind of um, Nordic noir light. Okay, got it. It's what I would call it. So if you want to start, but you're not sure you want to dive into the really dark, like Lars Kepler, very dark, right? If you want to, don't want to go that dark, you can start with her books, but a very good story. 
and that's a whole series. I think there's like six books, six or seven books in this series. But her scary supernatural ghost stories, you'll never sleep again. So the first one I read was Someone to Watch Over Me, which is kind of a murder mystery mm-hmm. and very procedural. But is there a supernatural element to it? I'm not going to tell you. There might or there might not be. It depends on how you interpret what happens in the story. So I don't want to say, but it's very scary. Also children involved for some bizarre. I'm into that theme. I don't know what it is, but um, very good. Um, So this is, this is a book that Jen would also think is, is good if it's like really creepy, scary. I think so. I'll read the back. A young man with Down syndrome has been convicted of burning down his care home and killing five people. But a fellow inmate at his secure psychiatric unit has hired Thora. Oh, I guess it's part of the Thora series. I forgot about that. To prove Jacob is innocent. If he didn't do it, who did? And how is the multiple murder connected to the death of Maga, who's a girl that was killed in a hit and run on her way to babysit? A creepy, compelling thriller. Uh, Someone to watch over me is a fifth Thora. Oh, like the last name is Goodmundus. Good monster here. <laughs> but I learned all about how, um, like the Icelandic tradition to last names reading these books. Do you know how no. they do it? No. So traditionally, and there's only a certain amount of names you can name your kid in Iceland. It has to be approved. Like you can't name your kids something stupid like XYZ251. That's illegal for their first mm. name. Anyways, the last name is um, you take your father's or your mother's first name, and if you're a girl, you add dotir after it. And if you're a boy, you add son after it. So Irsa Sigurdar Dotir is the daughter of Sigurdar, I guess. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So her, the character in here, Goodman's Dotir, she would be the daughter of Goodsman. And if it was if it was if Thora was a boy, then it would be Goodsmanson instead of Goodsman Dotir. Huh. So I learned that from reading these books. That's interesting. Anyway, tidbit of information. Creepy. <laughs> and then her this one, I remember you. It like it literally says a ghost story on there. Oh. So scary. Like I'm I have goosebumps right now, just holding up the book. So good. If you're a fan of the ghost, like a ghost story, a real ghost story. Yeah. Read this one. Read this one. What's that one about? In this terrifying tale, three friends set out to work, renovating a rundown house in a remote, totally isolated location. But they soon realize they're not alone. They're not as alone as they thought. Something wants them to leave. Meanwhile, in a nearby town, a young doctor investigating the suicide of an elderly woman discovers that she was obsessed with his vanished son. When the two's stories collide, the shocking truth becomes horribly clear. So it's the way she connects those two storylines. Like they're very separate and it just gets closer and closer and closer and closer. And at the end, you're like, oh my God, that is terrifying. And this story is not happy. There's not one single happy sentence in the story. It's, you feel like you're reading it in a rainstorm. You're wet all the time. You're cold all the time. You're 
You don't have a chance. Like, this is the feeling you get while you're reading this book. You feel cold. You feel damp. You feel isolated. You feel alone. You feel scared. And even after the mystery is solved and the story is put together and you know what's happened to create, you know, all of these chapters that you've just read, it's still like, oh, there's no happy ending. She hmm. did not want you to feel happy or joy, nothing warm in the story at all. Okay. So not a cozy feel good book, but very no. much a- <laughs> nothing cozy about this at all. Like you just, you, you finish your book and you're going, that was terrifying. And I am so depressed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> That's how you feel. But that's what she wants. Like, she completely manipulates you. And it's a total, like, you have to pardon my French. I know this is going to be No, no, X-rated. no French. It's all good. Bring it's it a mindfuck. Huh. 100%. I so admire that in an author, though, where they can take simple ideas. And what mm. they do is they create arrangements to bring the story into your imagination in ways mm. that stay with you and are well done. Cause you know how sometimes there can be really good ideas in a story. It could be creepy in, in the, you know, the thought of it, but it's just not executed well. And it could have been so much stronger. Yes. So when somebody actually does that well and they marry all of those ideas and skills together, I am so in awe of it. Yeah. It's, uh, I love that. Whether it's it's, scary or not, the fact that it stayed with you and gave you those feelings. Yes. That is a victory. Yeah. But it's, there's no twists in here just for the sake of having twists. Mm, Yeah. Like every chapter ends with, Oh my God. Like, Like if they were to make a series out of this book, you that's at the end of the chapter is where that episode would end because every chapter ends with, Oh, Oh, Okay, what happens? And it just gives you a little something. You're like, I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. I read that in one go. Like you have to read it in one go. Like, I don't know that if you stopped reading it, that you would go back because it's like, I don't know if I want to be wet and damp and depressed again. <laughs> I just don't <laughs> but it's so good. Probably um like my favorite horror story up until this point is by um it's called Let Me In, and it's a vampire story, kids. <laughs> Go figure. With kids? Again? Yeah. Yeah. It's called Let Me In and it's uh, Lindquist is the last name. John Ashvidi Lindquist. I think we talked about him last time. Yeah. One of my favorite horror authors. This one is right up there. And right now I'm struggling with the one and two rank. This one might have topped that one. Maybe. Now, do you reread books? Some some I do. Would you reread this one? Maybe. Maybe. Because I feel like, like my adrenaline was going, and maybe I missed stuff. But this is one that I would like. I have reread. Let me in. I think at some point I will reread this one. Interesting. Good one. And I don't remember much about books. Like I read them and it's gone. Well, you read so many. Yeah, you can't remember them all. But this one, it's gonna stick with me forever. Like it's probably one of my favorites. It's. I think it's just the setting. It's in Iceland. And so it's very easy to make that setting creepy almost. No offense to anybody that lives there. Like, I'm sure it's beautiful, but like to me, yeah, what I think of it and how it's described in these books. And I, I don't think that if you are not a native of Iceland that you could do it justice. 
Mm-hmm. I haven't read any Nordic noir, but I have definitely seen some Nordic noir movies or shows or whatnot. Whoa. And I think the feeling about those that that I notice that kind of sets me that sets me off a little bit in terms of like I'm not cozy. Like it, I'm already sort of at a state of nervous anticipation. Yeah. Because there's a barrenness to it. There is a Whoa. a coldness, a bleakness almost. Yeah. I mean, yes, parts of it are lovely, but it's always cold and unsettling and I can see why dark things would happen. Yeah. Well, if you took the same story and you put it in California, it just wouldn't be the same. And they do often have um, very complicated characters, like I said before, that I like the protagonist and the antagonist, both complicated. Who's good? Who's bad? Well, depends on who you ask, I guess. Right. So I, I like that. I like that. But isn't that more like how we actually are? Yes. None of yes. us are ever just one thing and we're never going to stay that one thing. Yeah. Yeah. So as we bump up against people and situations in the world that are challenging and trigger us in different ways, we are going to bring out different parts of our character. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sure. that could be very entertaining. So yeah. if someone was to write down our lives, we might be a little <laughs> bit more dark than we think. Oh my God. <laughs> There's a thought, hey? <laughs> yep. And if we have time, just one yeah. more series that I've gone into. Um, by M.J. Arledge, and it's the Helen Grace, Helen Grace series, and the first book is called Eeny Meeny. Um, easy read, really short, short, teeny tiny chapters, which I, I kind of like. Like some of them are only some chapters are like three pages long. Oh, but like a James Patterson, then? I yeah, I guess it's been so long since I've read one of his books, but um, yeah, short little chapters, but um. I think it gives you the feel of like hurrying through it. Like mm-hmm. the get through one more chapter. It's only three pages. Oh, okay, I'll just go through another chapter, another three pages. Yeah. But it's, it, it sets that um, the feeling for the book where it's there's a sense of urgency to it. All gruesome murders. Like this first one was very intriguing because it's very, uh, it makes you think. So two people are abducted, imprisoned, and left with a gun. As hunger and thirst set in, only one walks away alive. It's a game more twisted than any inspector, detective inspector Helen Grace has ever seen. If she hadn't spoken with the shattered survivors herself, she almost wouldn't believe them. Helen is familiar with the dark sides of human nature, including her own. But this case, with its seemingly random victims, has her baffled. But as more people go missing, nothing will be more terrifying than when it all starts making sense. The crime is two people get kidnapped. And it's two people who mean something to each other. So like a, a couple, yeah. as friends, a mother and child, business partners, kidnapped together. They're put into an isolated place, a gun's there. And they're promised that the one that lives gets set free. Gets you think like, what would you do? <laughs> yeah. I know what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you would do too. <laughs> it would be a very short book. I said it. In, I said it in um, my room. Like, unless it was my kids that I got, like my kid that I got kidnapped with, it take me all of three seconds. <laughs> I think I say that. And I sound all tough, but you know, yeah, yeah. Oh man, <laughs> I just finished a book um, by Peter Swanson. Oh, he's good. Which one? It's called uh, The Kind Worth Killing. Oh, so good. Did you like yes. it? I love I, all his books. 
I did. Oh, I think he's amazing. He's the one that I have literally read so many of his books in sequence because I just need more. You binge them. You binge them. So So this one I thought was really, really good. A solid idea of you meet somebody in an airport, you exchange some truths with them, with them and you discover, Oh, this person maybe wants their spouse to die. Mm -hmm. If if they could get killed and this person says, Hey, I could help you with that. Mm -hmm. Seems like a really great way to, get this going and, mm-hmm. and I love the twists in there and I love the areas of tension and dynamic. And then probably the last, I don't know, like the last eighth of the book, I was like, what, what, are, I you, what are you doing? You're messing it up now. You're, you're overcomplicating it. If you'd kept <laughs> it, if you'd kept it a little earlier, you would have totally had me all the way to the end. Yeah. And, and then I'm like, and then it ended so vaguely. I said, like, what, what just happened here? <laughs> so- I did that ending because I like that character and it's one of those characters and I'm not going to say which character no but that character I liked that character and I'm like you go right Uh and then at the end I'm like what are you doing to me Uh Swanson (laughs) this is not okay I don't like this at all no no but I love how his story ideas always feel a little bit familiar Mm. And yet there are so many fresh elements to it that I am completely drawn in. Yeah. He's so good and creative. Yeah. I binge read his books too. I think the first one I read was before, before he knew her, before you mm-hmm. knew her. Yeah. Before he knew her. Yeah. Good. And then after that, I binge read it. I binge read. I, the only one I haven't read is uh, the, uh, what the, the one of his newest ones. Every Value Break? Every Value Break. I haven't read that one yet. I've got it. And then I think he's got a new one that's coming out. Well, he did. He has a new one coming out in the spring. Yeah. Um, But his last one was before Every Value Break was called Eight Perfect Murders. Yeah, that one was good too. Yeah, I love that one. one. Yeah. Yeah. But you can tell he's a real fan, like a a mystery story fan. Yeah. Right? Well, and he mentions in every book he has, readers are prominent. Yes. It talks about the books they're reading yeah. or how those books have impacted their story yeah. or what they're doing. or yeah. And I love that. Yes. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Because it's not just for selling books. It's almost like an homage to readers who are yeah. reading and who will know like tongue in cheek, wink, wink. Like, hey, yeah. look at this. We're talking about Nancy Drew books here. We're talking yeah. about Agatha Christie or yeah. whatever. Oh, and since we talked last, I finished the entire Karen Slaughter Grant County series. All of it. Every last I book. saw that. I saw that on your Instagram. Oh, so good. If she didn't write another one, I would be happy because of the way that last book ended. It wow. ends the series so well and I'd be sad, but I would be okay with the way it ended. It almost feels like like the movie series that like it's a good trilogy. And if you made one more, that movie would suck. Mm-hmm. And you yeah. know, like you're just making it for the sake of making it. Mm-hmm. Ends really well. There was one book in the whole entire series. I think there was like 13 books in Grant County. That I was like, meh. But all the other ones, chef's kiss. Now, I think after we talked, because of you mentioning Karen Slaughter and your appreciation for her Mm. so significantly, I read Pretty Girls. Yeah, that's one of her standalones. Yeah. That was haunting. Yeah. Um, not, I can't even tell you all the details of the story or no. who was involved, but there are two scenes for sure that stand out as she just mentioned them. Like not yeah. in, 
she wasn't gratuitous. It wasn't overdone with the words, making it gory. But the way the imagery was described Mm -hmm. stayed with me. Mm -hmm. So when I think of that book, I think of two scenes. That's it. And haunting to me. And and I don't read a lot of dark stuff. So that was... You know what is uh, the freakiest thing about these stories? And the Nordic Noir people do it very well. And Karen Slaughter does it very well. Is when they just... And this is very dark now. So just as a warning. (laughs) Perfect. Bring it on. How authors describe death from the point of view of the person who's dying. That, like, I'm getting goosebumps. Like, that, like, ugh. (laughs) That taps into mortal fear. You know what I mean? Yes. One of the crazy things about death, murder, dark books, Mm -hmm. all of these things that tap into what you're saying, like that mortal fear, Mm -hmm. because the one thing that we all have in common as our lives progress is we are all going to die. Yep. Like, I'm sorry to anybody listening to this who isn't fully aware that we're not immortal. You've got an expiry date. So (laughs) we all know that we are going to reach that. So if we can possibly reach that day without having that terror and that pain and that you know that fear attached to it Mm -hmm. there's something about feeling prepared almost Mm -hmm. right like yeah if this is what's going to happen I want to know I want to feel as if I'm aware of what's possibly going to occur Mm -hmm. so I can beat it somehow like somebody was explaining to me in the store they like books about murder because they Mm want to know what to avoid Hey, that's legit. Um, that's legit. I guess. I, that's fair. I have that's never fair. thought of it like that. And and so it's interesting that the idea of death and dying continues to be not not only slightly entertaining, if I can use that word, but the fact that it is compelling. Yes. Because we know. We are already connected to the idea that that's going to be our story. Yeah. So to kind of dress it up a little bit in dark and scary ways is familiar. Yeah. Not to describe it as the observer. Like, yeah. To describe it as the, as the first person almost. Yeah. Right. Like, ugh. So Which really puts you in the driver's seat, if you will, of what it will be like to be that person. That's why that's extra scary. Yeah. Like you kind of have to get into that mindset and it's, it's, it's freaky to have to think about what your last moments are going to be like if you were murdered and then put it on paper so that other people relate to it, right? I think it takes a certain someone. I don't know that it I could does. do it. And, and do you pretty much just read dark, murderful, kind of creepy-esque books? Or do you also read things that are lighter, like to keep that balance so you're not focusing on just the death aspect of life, but actual other life experiences? Do you read other things too? Well, I read stories that I call murder light. <laughs> so it's still murder and death and gross, but not so bad. Okay. Yeah. Like Louise Penny. I call those murder lights, right? She is very light. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't read a lot of light fluffy stuff. Like I don't read. I had to read a a rom-com for a book club, which I made fun. I made fun of myself and it was the holiday swap. Oh yeah. Did you like it? No. I got through, I tried, and I'm like, I'm going to get through this book because it's book club. And so I'm going and I found myself just skipping pages. I'm like, this is boring. No, nobody talks like this. No, this is silly. What? Who? Why? Why are they? What? What's going on? Next. No, no one dies. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> no, one <laughs> dies. No, 
next mystery, next mystery. I'm like, no, next page, next page, next page. And I just found myself skipping chunks of it because it just didn't interest me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I read the other type of books I read is nonfiction. So I read a lot about like stamped from the beginning. And I read a lot of books by indigenous authors. So Thomas King is one that I've gotten really into. He is so funny. He, he's so funny. He's dry. He's sarcastic. And it's right up my alley. So the Inconvenient Indian, hilarious. Indians on vacation, hilarious. But hilarious while you're learning something. Like he's just, as a matter of fact, telling you the story. And it's a witty way of telling the story, but very serious topics and very serious issues, right? And it's uh, it's like learning through play is how I describe it. The way he puts it is so funny and as a matter of fact, and dry, that you don't even realize you're learning something important. So I love that. And I, I actually listened to The Inconvenient Indian um, while I was driving to work. And I, I almost lost control of my vehicle like a couple of times because I was laughing so hard. Yeah. So that's the other type of story I read. So besides the murder and mayhem and girl stuff, I read I read a lot of Indigenous authors and their stories and I, I, I like that. It's interesting. We're, we're Canadian. We should be we should be reading about that. Holy, that's a lot of talking. It was like an hour and a half. You know what? You're you're um, an inspiration to readers everywhere who want to dive into the realities of human nature. Oh, thanks. I love all the things that you're about. Aw, thank you. I will continue to look at your Instagram posts with humor and expectation because I think they're all just so fun. Thanks. And if anybody hasn't yet, definitely go to Elisa's Instagram page because I will put a link to it in the show notes. You have to go watch the videos. Yeah, they're just, they're so fun. Oh, thanks. One of my absolute favorite things about bookstore life is finding people like Elise that you just click with, that you are curious about, that you enjoy, and that you are constantly learning from. I am so grateful that she found me in that store and we became friends because really the community around a bookstore is what makes a bookstore. I am so excited for the conversations that we have scheduled coming up in the new year. There are so many good voices to listen to and learn from, so many good books to talk about. So I am already psyched for that. And you guys, it's the end of the year. So you are probably going through your books, making a list of all the books you've read, trying to see how you can very quickly add those children's books to the end of the year reading goals so you can get your goals completed. You are not alone. I know many people who are looking for the shortest books possible so they can finally finish their goal. (laughs) You are in good company. And no matter what you read or what's going on in your life or how you serve the world. Shine a light of humor, kindness, and compassion in everything you do. Be relevant, be generous, and be unforgettable. And may your reading life be extraordinary. Until next time, bye!